0: You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Hello friends, it's good to be back with you. I have a few important announcements this week, and so please don't skip this part. I need to say, first of all, that we have finally made the 2021 Bride Tribe Advance available for registration. And you can find everything you need at bridemovement.com. It has its own landing page as well as its own funnel so you can get the room you want. We are meeting again at Tanglewood Resort. That is in Pottsboro, Texas, north of Dallas. And guess what? worship mob is coming back that's right worship mob is going to be in the house and so we are going to have again an extraordinary worship experience along with extraordinary teaching and fellowship guys it's going to be amazing i think it may just may be our best one ever we currently are running early bird pricing that means you get to save a little bit if you register early um, understand that reg- early bird registration prices are going to go away once we have a certain number of registrations. We already have over forty, and we just announced it in church Sunday. <laughs> so please keep in mind that uh, this is a very desirable event. People want to come, apparently, and you know we are we are very happy. Now, this is the other challenge. You know, we only have. So many rooms at Tanglewood Inn and Resorts. Last year, we sold out every room in the inn uh, that we had pre-booked. We booked uh, b- basically the entire resort this time. Um, and, and, and we are going to anticipate all of those rooms to sell out. And then in order to come, you will have to uh, find a hotel uh, nearby and we'll be giving details as we get closer to the selling out of the Pottsboro room location. Um, But keep in mind when you go to sign up for our advance, our advances are all-inclusive, meaning conference, room and board, and by board we mean food. All the food is included in your conference registration, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So uh, we're talking a major value. Now I have another announcement. We are taking applications for the 2022 Bride Ministries DID Coach Mentorship Program. Um, We are raising an army, folks, to uh, uh, address the monsoon, I believe of people that are going to awaken and realize they are survivors of government sponsored mind control, they are targeted individuals, they are uh survivors of satanic ritual abuse and they need help. And we're going to give it to them. And you know how we're going to do it by training you guys to be extraordinary ministers, deliverance workers, and so forth. And um you know, in, in the class of 2020 has helped us to do what is called proof of concept. What does that mean? That means that we trained a number of people, released them onto our platform, and the testimony started rolling in immediately. Folks, what we are doing to train folks, uh, it it works. And we're very proud of the program. We have set up, we have a whole other cohort working through that program this year we're very excited about these individuals and now we will be taking applications for those of you that are ready to take the plunge um in the future i will let you know this we are going to also make available a a light training program which is not the full DID coach mentorship program it'll be a series of weekends that will focus on basic application of tools and activation in them. And they will not be a year-long commitment, only a weekend commitment. And you can sign up for as many of those as you want. There'll be more details to follow down the road. We haven't created that yet, but we understand there are going to be different commitment levels and different desires. But please keep in mind, if you have aspirations of being a coach on the Bride Ministries platform at coach.bridemovement.com. The only road right now to that is the DID Coach Ministry Program. So uh, all the details you need, you will find at bridemovement.com. You can go to the ministry page. and says, I want to be a coach with Bride Ministries section and follow through there. I do want to give another uh, 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 shout out, right. Church. Uh, we do have a church guys. I don't know if you knew about it. Uh, the bride ministries church. We meet every Sunday evening. Um, we still plan to get the physical building down here in Houston. We're working on that actively with our real estate agents and Jesus. And so keep that in prayer. But, uh, as far as the online is concerned, man, oh man, we've been rocking. So, um, hang out with us at 7 PM central standard time, some of these Sundays. And, uh, you will also find that we have Ongoing Bible studies uh, available through the church, and those announcements are always given at service, but this gives you opportunity to hang out and fellowship with believers from around the world as part of our outreach. We also want you to know deliverance.bridemovement.com is available to the world for free. Thanks to those of you that support this ministry financially, tools and resources to get free from the most complex bondages available right there at your fingertips. Uh, and it is accessible from your cell phone, your tablet, your computer, com. If you need personal, hands-on, one-on-one coaching, com. All of our trained and selected coaches are there. Lastly, and... This is just a request, guys. We have been so blessed, my wife and I, and many of you know, we're going to be having our first child real soon here. And we have been so blessed. We've been blessed by family. We have been blessed by friends. Um, some of you that are listening to this and you know who you are have blessed us. And and we just want to say, you know, we're very, very grateful, but we have aspirations of raising a child that is not entirely um. spoiled. For that reason, I am going to ask uh, those of you that are friends um, and and, and listeners of this podcast, those that have followed this ministry and are really excited with us, uh, please do not use the P.O. Box for the ministry as an address to send gifts to our child that is yet unborn. I know some of you may have desired to do that or just you know you have an idea yeah yeah I just want to bless um Dan and Christian and their new child with this and I'm just gonna send it to the P.O. box please we want to uh, uh keep the P.O. box for ministry purposes, not that we don't appreciate the honor and the generosity and the gratitude or what you know this the desire to bless but but we don't want to use our ministry P.O. box for that so um, please refrain from sending uh, gifts to the P.O. Box. And, and that's all, you know, I, I, I appreciate everyone that continues to support us and send the ministry support to the P.O. Box. That is always welcome and appreciated. And for those of you that want to support this ministry, there are many ways to do that. And you can do that also from our app. If you haven't gotten it at the Google Play Store or iTunes, just download the Bride Ministries app That's all. I'm finally at the end. Sorry, it's a little longer announcements today. There was a lot to get out. Guys, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, folks, welcome back. I am excited to be sitting here with uh, my client, Jan, who has just the most amazing story and delivers it with a smile. She she really is a special individual. We, we, we love having her here at Bride and Community with the other survivors here. And I'll, I'll tell you what, her story is just Incredible. If you have not heard her story, go back in our archives, which you can find at bridemovement.com on our podcast page or anywhere that our podcast is being archived, such as iTunes and blog, talk, radio, et cetera, and you can find Journeying with Jan. There's a whole series, and there's also a few other podcasts that have her name on them uh, that were individually titled, and she has been working with me for several years. She is a survivor of satanic ritual abuse. She is a survivor of government-sponsored mind-control projects. She, she's a survivor of mengala and she's here to talk about it. And so, Jan, welcome back to Discovering Truth.
1: Hi, Dan. It's so good to be back. Thank you so much for inviting me to share another part of my story. And um, it's just a blessing. It's a blessing to be part of your ministry. It's a blessing to be a, a client, a, a survivor, a client of yours. And it's just a blessing to be here today to, to uh, talk to all the folks. So thank you.
0: Well, Jen, you're a champion and you're changing lives. And I just am so proud of you for continuing to be brave, to take your journey, to learn things that are just a little bit uncomfortable to know. And frankly, um, I applaud you. And, you know, you have quite a bit to share with us today. Uh, Jan and I actually, folks, had a little bit of a debate before we got started with the recordings. Jan Jan thinks that she can get through her notes uh, for today's podcast. And I said, "I, I don't. But we'll find out because either one, you will have a horrible, terrible cliffhanger at the end of this podcast, forcing you to come back and listen again at some point in the future or two, she's going to prevail. And so we will find out. But Jan, here's what we're going to start. We're going to start by doing a bit of review and and letting you give us an overview of going back to 1984 and some of the journey that you've taken to get you here.
1: Thank you, Dan. And I might have to talk really fast to get all this in, but I can do it. I know I can no, do it. <laughs> take your time. <laughs> take your time. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll try to slow it down a little bit. So one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was because of um, all the things that are going on in our world, in our country right now. And, um, I, I'm seeing a lot of indications that we have a lot of people that are programmed in this country. And I have a feeling that a lot of those people are going to be coming out, out of programming in the near future. And uh, I'm hoping the church is going to be able to step up and help some of those folks that are going to be, um, you know, trying to um, deal with not only their own histories, but people that are trying to deal with the history of our nation and what's going on in the area of mind control and so forth. So Uh, that's really my heart is to that to uh, help the church to prepare for those kinds of things that are coming so I wanted to talk about my um, my history a little bit because in 1984 I had my first sexual abuse memory and at that point um, I really thought I came from a perfect family had no uh, memories of any kind of abuse at all and so uh, at that time in history Uh, sexual abuse or incest was considered a conspiracy theory. And so a lot of people just didn't believe that it was uh, real or that it was as prevalent as it was. And so um, when we fast forward into the late 80s, early 90s, uh, SRA came on on the horizon. And the same thing, people thought it was a conspiracy theory. They didn't believe it. They didn't believe that occults uh, were active and that they were doing sacrifices in this country of all places. So uh, fast forward again into the 90s and people start talking about uh, MKUltra and mind control, a government sponsored mind control. And again, it was considered a conspiracy theory. Today, we're talking about the secret space programs. And again, It's called a conspiracy theory. So it takes time once these things surface for the public to come around and be able to accept. And so that's where I think we are right now. We're getting ready to go through another one of those um, walls of amnesia and uh, discord about what is true and what is false. And so um, that's why I'm here today to give this testimony of my own. And
0: and I'm excited that that's why you're here, Jan, because I'm going to say this, you know that I'm in like the same place, right? And folks, let me say this. If you haven't heard me say it in a while, um, I talk about something called the false reality overlay. What To me, that means that there is a false reality that we are fed, force fed, in fact, through Um, edited Facebook posts, (laughs) independent fact chesters have verified that this truth is actually a lie with their lies. And the MSM uh, mainstream media, uh, MSNBC, uh, ABC, uh, CNN, Clinton News Network, right? All of these bombardments plus our history books, which are completely rewritten by scholars that were on payrolls, with the Illuminati and related groups. I mean, I, I don't know, there's all this defrauding and and we've got this view of the world created for us that's entirely inaccurate. And has caused us to completely disregard, um, you know, testimonies of incest, mind control on a government level, complete puppeting of, you know, world leaders, uh, Illuminati cults working behind the scenes to direct the path the nations are taking. and. And you know what, it's all, it's all wrong. And, and I believe that, <laughs> honestly, Jan, in the coming years, there's going to be a greater unmasking of this nonsense than like at any other single point in recent history. Uh, I'm right there with you. And folks, that's why BRIDE exists. I just have to say it. We are getting ready for the monsoon of survivors coming out and having their programming breakdown
1: anyway. Thank you. I totally believe that, Dan. And um, I have to say, in in 1985, I started my journey of recovery and healing from the trauma and the abuse. And from the very get go, I wanted to give my testimony. I had no idea how to do that. Uh, Within a year after my first memory, a woman showed up in our hometown She was working on her master's degree about sexual abuse and she was looking for uh, survivors that would tell their story. So I, I gave her my testimony and she printed it in our local paper. Now it was anonymous. Nobody knew who it belonged to, but it was, uh, the experience of doing that, I think, started me uh, out on a really good foot as far as healing. It, It gave me a boost giving your testimony is is a boost in healing. I believe that wholeheartedly here I am making podcasts now all these years later. And it's like, the Lord has just opened those doors. uh, And it's, it's such a privilege and an honor to be able to do that. And so I, you know, I just, I, I thank you again. So in 2013 um, I had moved to uh, Northern Michigan and um, I didn't have any friends here. I had no church. I had a, a counselor downstate that I'd been with for eight years and she called me one day and said that she had leukemia and that she was going to have a bone marrow transplant and that we would not be able to do any more counseling sessions. And so, um, it was just, uh, another time and a long, and a long line of, uh, stops that I had to navigate with counseling because, uh, you know, when you're When you're in counseling for a whole lot of years, which I've been in for 36 years now, uh, I've been through 12 coaches. I've been through extended hospital stays. I've been through um, a lot of uh, six intensives that I had to travel to get to. And so probably overall, I've been in counseling probably, I would say, between 80 and 90% of the time uh, over the last 36 years. So in that time, there were a lot of stops and starts that I had to navigate. So I started looking for another counselor and it's just not always easy. There aren't, you know, even today, it's still difficult to find counselors that are experienced uh, in this kind of trauma. And uh, so it's always a challenge. So um, I started looking and I found a, a man that was willing to work with me through email, just temporarily. He wasn't taking on new clients, so he helped me for a while. But right in the middle of that, I got uh, bombarded with some um, voice-to-skull programming. And uh, for your listeners, the voice-to-skull is a kind of technology where they uh, beam right into your head the voice of usually somebody you're familiar with. It's not usually a bad person. It's somebody you're familiar with and you care about. And then you develop this relationship with this voice thinking it's the real person. And then usually when you start getting suspicious and start doubting whether this is the real person or not, then they'll introduce a second person and they'll call that person the real person. So, for instance if it were Dan Devall, I would hear the voice of Dan Ball. And when I got suspicious of that, I'd hear another voice, which was the real Dan Devall. Mm-hmm. Now you're in a state of confusion, because you don't know if it's the false Dan Devall or the real Dan Devall, And they're both false, but you don't know that when you're in the middle of it. It's a horrendous, horrible um, kind of um, attack that they do. The Lord had told me in the middle 90s that the biggest challenge we'll face in the end days is discerning his voice, is knowing the true voice of Jesus or the father. And I believe that this technology is one of the things that they will use uh, more and more because they have it now. And uh, I think they're coupling it now with um, AI uh, and quantum computers. So they're actually uh, mining the thoughts of people and how they interact with, uh, with their God. And then they can uh, beam that back into our heads so that we think we're actually talking to God when we're not. So um, uh, that's the attack that I came under in the middle of that email counseling that I did with this man. And so I just, I finally out of desperation and just fear, really fear, uh, walked away from that because I just, it was too much. It was just too hard to navigate. So I finally found a coach that lived uh, in Wisconsin, just across the border from me. And she had about 30 years of experience. And so um, uh, she had a little bit of experience with SRA. She didn't know anything about government uh, programs. But we started working together. And it was it was a good relationship. We got a lot of work done. But we started to kind of hit the wall after about three years. And I actually started getting into um, some of the astral uh, aspects of my programming and, and my parts. So in 2014, I found Brian. I found some podcasts that you had done. So I went to the, the uh, ministry page on your website and uh, you were booked out. Oh my gosh, you were booked way out, months, months in advance. So um, I gave up on that at, in 2014. But in 2018, on Easter Sunday, I somehow wandered over to your website again, and I thought I'm just going to see if he's got any uh, openings. And I couldn't believe it—you had an opening! So, boy, I signed up, <laughs> I signed up for that opening. And uh, I, the first time I saw, the first time I saw you, you unhitched me from I don't know how many Earth systems all over the world. It was amazing. And uh, so at the end, you said, we might have another opening. So I went back and I looked and there was another opening. So I grabbed it. And so I was praying because I had been praying for probably 10 years. I I was fed up with counseling that I had to train everybody, train everybody (laughs) up on. I had given the Lord a mandate. I'm like, Lord, if I'm going to keep doing this, I have to have, I have to have the best. I have to have the best. I can't, I can't settle anymore. Can I just tell you, this
0: this, this is what hurts me, Jan. This is what hurts my heart. Because there are survivors all over the world. And this is what they do. They sit down in front of somebody. They say, listen, I am trying to survive because I'm defecting from the Illuminati and they want to kill me with frequencies. Oh, oh, you silly Sally, you. There's no such thing as the Illuminati. What the heck is that? That, I mean, You know, folks, this to me makes me want to, you know, I tell people, you're not crazy. It's all of these people out there that think their false reality overlay is real, that are crazy. You know, it, it's a complete script flip in my mind, but I, I just, my heart breaks, Jen, for what you've and others have had to go through you know it's like listen my parts are working in laboratories with reptilians right now engineering hybrid children oh you silly sally there's no such thing as i can see your face right now you're getting upset because of <laughs> it's triggering that this breaks my heart folks that's why we exist And we have coaches, by the way, if you didn't know, uh, there are trained and selected coaches that are not me, but they have been trained by me at coach.bridemovement.com because we're we're tired of the nonsense and we're fighting for you guys. Anyway, please continue, Jan.
1: You know, Dan, that is one of the things I appreciate about you so much is that you are not hoarding the knowledge that you have. You are sharing it and you're pushing it out there as fast as you can. And it's going to pay off dividends because people... People need help. People need a lot of help. And uh, it's coming. It's it's there now. <laughs> I'm so glad for your classes. It's wonderful. So, um, you know, I'm not unusual in the way that, uh, you know, most, like you said, most survivors uh, have this long history, you know, and when you have to go through Coaches, like we have to go through coaches, it gets pretty frustrating after a while because you can only, some people you can only go so far with. My first counselor I had was a psychologist. I had him for six years weekly, lots of money, lots of money. And when my part showed up and I took him in my notes, he said, Well, I think the jury's still out on that. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> The jury's not out in my head, I can tell you that much. <laughs> I have parts and they have names and they have stories. <laughs> and uh, that's the truth. <laughs> so anyway. So uh, anyway, I uh, kind of <laughs> I lost, did lost I, did my I help? okay you. <laughs> So you
0: found me, you know, and uh, we booked a couple of appointments. And so at that point uh, you know, you, 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 you sent me a whole bunch of, I mean, this is what I remember. You sent me a whole bunch of material programming history. And, um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about the
1: programming history. I do. I do want to talk about programming history because, um, uh, my programming started in the early fifties. So, uh, you know, a lot of it's outdated now for the young people that are coming up. But the programming that I went through ended up being the foundations for what they're doing now. Mm -hmm. So I think it's still relevant to to maybe be, uh, to know about the the programming that I went through in the sense that it does form the foundations and you kind of can see where it's gone from there. So basically, um, I see it as there were two streams of uh, programming in my life and you know and I consider myself programmed still today because we haven't finished our work and I still have parts that are out there doing government jobs different places but the two streams would be the occult stream which is the rituals Uh, hypnosis is used a lot drugs are used and uh, all to to cause dissociation So uh, the government programs are to prepare us for jobs because um, once the dissociation is done and and the parts are split off and we have all these soul parts, then jobs are usually assigned. And those can be uh, a a whole variety of things. Um, The goals of programming would be to split the soul and the spirit so that they're not just working with one person, one entity. They're working with many, many, many. And uh, I know I was polyfragmented, what they call polyfragmented. And so I've got thousands, who knows how many, I have no idea. But uh, I don't think I'm unusual at all. I think that's pretty common these days, especially that um, you, know, you have that many parts out there. Um, the amnesia, uh, makes the compartmentalization and they do it through trauma uh, to create the personalities. But I think anymore the personalities aren't even as important as just the, the fragments, just the soul fragments. Uh, I had personalities that were in my front row that had names and and had memories of part of my history. But I have thousands of parts that are out there doing jobs that don't even have names. They're just... Out there, like uh, clones or something. So, um, psychic weaponization um, is also one of the goals of the programming so that they can uh, um, use us in astral travel and uh, in spiritual warfare, uh, witchcraft especially. And my family was, I had a lineage and a history of witchcraft. So, I was trained up in a lot of things uh, concerning the witchcraft. Uh, there's an indoctrination that happens. And in my case, it was a Nazi uh, indoctrination into the Nazi uh, uh, theologies, if you will. And there's also a lot of false religious uh, things that are put on. In my case, uh, I was really programmed for the end times. That was my whole uh, focus of everything they did was on the end times because um, they believe there's an end times but they believe they can control it so they have plans to put out their own agendas to bring about the end times and they think they can force god's hand so that they can control the timing of everything and uh which i'm sure you believe that and i'm sure (laughs) oh oh i know I know, absolutely. They are trying
0: to force God's hand. They're trying to create entire counterfeit timelines by manipulating events in the earth. Yeah. Which I could talk about at length, but I'm not here to interview me, Jan. I'm here to interview you. (laughs) Well, the Why why don't you just take a- Actually, Mm -hmm. I want to just take a few minutes and let you talk about a couple of the- I guess anecdotal pieces of evidence you have um, connecting your end time programming to agendas that people have actually either A watched in the past or B are watching.
1: Wow. Well, the rapture is one big one for, for them. You know, they're always uh, tra- they're always trying to I would call it whip up uh, excitement and or fear about the end about the rapture and uh, that uh, the world's getting ready to burn. And here we are unprepared. And so they're they're always trying to push that agenda forward in one way or another. Um, I went through a initial deprogramming with the Lord after I came to the Lord in ninety five. And uh, my whole uh, that whole three week period of time was it was like I was embedded in a whole in time scenario of programming. And uh, it, it was amazing. It was like it was like I was totally convinced that we were getting ready to rapture at any moment. And it was the programming that had kicked in. So everything that I dealt with during those three weeks was like, You know the trumpet's going to blow. We're going to be out of here. It's going to be over. You know, and so it was uh, pretty pretty crazy. So that's for me personally. That's probably the the biggest thing uh, about the end time programming is the rapture issue. So, wow.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. Mm So this job training.
1: So, uh, yeah, that's um, their goals for um, for us is to make sure we're trained to do jobs. And a lot of for me personally, I think a lot of my parts have ended up in laboratories. And I think I worked on a lot of technology things, which is really kind of crazy because I don't feel like I have a technology Uh, inclination in my presenter (laughs) at all (laughs) but I have a lot of parts I think that are working in those kinds of jobs I've also found out I have jobs that are parts that are working off planet in jobs and uh, in government offices like the Pentagon the Capitol, places like that they also do a lot of training for warfare especially in the ones that come from witchcraft because uh, they're you know, they're, they are doing witchcraft on us all the time. You know, we as Christians probably don't pray as much as we should, but I guarantee you, they are praying daily (laughs) and because they are trying to control everything. And so they are, um, they're good at warfare and they, they are consistent and they're diligent to do it. So, so mm -hmm.
0: basically folks, what Jan is saying is, She was polyfragmented in her soul. And these fragments not only were trained through the mind control uh, to do jobs within her own system that's in her subconscious and body, but outside of her body as well in other realms and on the astral plane where her parts are involved in laboratories and even Uh, doing jobs in places that are inhabited by physical buildings like the pentagon but from the astral realm that's where you would find these parts doing their work they're not physically showing up per se is that all correct
1: yes absolutely yes So the last goal I wanted to talk about was recruitment. And um, this is really actually a pretty big deal because um, they're always uh, recruiting, but they're also uh, coercing people into their fold. And so um, I think, I think really a lot of, there's been a lot of coercing happening in our government, really, frankly, but um but they, they do train us up in, in doing that. Just, just as a Christian would be trained up to, uh, to go out and minister to people or to witness to people. They, you know, the occult does that too. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the programming and how for me um, that worked. but kind of make it broad enough that I, I think it's pretty common probably what I went through. So the, the programming really started uh, for me in pre-birth. So I came from a, a lineage of bloodliners or what they call the kings of the earth or, um, you know, my DNA was the right DNA. So um, the pre-birth rituals were done to ensure that I would be that my destiny was secured. And that um, that I would have a purpose in the in the cult and that uh, I would carry on the bloodline. So uh, I've done some work with you and um, have found out that Mingala was uh, part of my history and which I knew before that, but I've done the work now to retrieve some of those memories. And um, through those memories I found out because Mingala told me when I was a child that I was actually conceived by a Jewish woman and Hitler who was at the time channeling Satan because uh, I was to be an an antichrist, a potential antichrist. And this goes back to those agendas, those end time agendas that they're always working on. They're always preparing antichrists in the wings so that they're ready at any moment, so that they can, you know, they've got their finger on the trigger, so to speak, and they've got an antichrist ready to go to uh, launch into action or to, you know, be on the stage. So I was one of those kids that was uh, was uh, conceived that way. It turned out I was a girl, so that didn't work out real well for him. But anyway, uh, I, I did some talking about that on the last podcast I did. So if anybody is interested in that, they can look that up. Um, I was initiated at a year and a half, uh, and I have a real uh, a pretty uh, clear memory of that. And during that time, I was, during that initiation, I was also twinned with my aunt, who's three years older than I am. And um, so that became a lifelong um, dedication that we would basically watch over each other, report back on each other, and uh, be really entangled. Our lives would be entangled. And you and I have worked on detangling that mess uh, just not that long ago. So recently um, I found some early, probably my earliest memories of trauma programming that was done, uh, which I'm going to talk about today. And it had to do with uh, pods, programming pods that they put us in and used holographic uh, images And then frequencies to back that up, to uh, to do trauma on us, to build uh, trauma prisons within our systems. And so um, um, that's just a new, that's a very new memory for me. And I believe that happened when I was about four years old. So that I think I would consider that probably the first formal programming that I had that would be part of the government-sponsored uh, mind control things.
0: You know, I just want to point this out, Jan. What year was it when you were four? That would have been uh,
1: 1954.
0: Which means that in 1954, they had developed holographic technologies to the level that they could be utilized in the course of programming project individuals we didn't even have Atari with Pong in 1954 <laughs> <laughs> you know and, and, and I just wanted to point that out because Jen you know there are people that are getting hit seven ways from sunday by every kind of technology and bombardment battery they're targeting individuals they're getting harassed and they go to people and they try to explain to them hey listen you know they have technologies that can read my thoughts with a satellite and they're like there's no technology out there like that that that's that idiocy that 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 crazy making you know group that listens to MSNBC that I was talking about before because the cognitive dissonance that it takes to learn that they have holographic technologies, they can program people with in 1954 before the release of Atari and Pong is like, what do you think they have in 2021 that they didn't tell us about? I mean, really, how much cognitive dissonance does it take to, to believe that that they only have the iPad and the MacBook. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, this is what drives me crazy, Jan. I don't know about you. Anyway, uh, please continue. So ho- programming with
1: holograms in 1954. Yeah. What else? And I have to tell you, I don't think, I don't think we even had color TV in 1954. Or you did not. I don't remember it until about 1956 or seven. So... <laughs> That's, that is way back there. (laughs) So um, the other thing they do is with the trauma is uh, like my dad uh, committed a murder, which is, um, uh, you know, I explained all that on the first podcast that I did and he also raped me when I was seven. So those things created uh, trauma, but I would say those traumas were more um, a target of the occult part of my life. So I had a local handler that was a doctor, and he uh, did hypnosis on me back in after those traumas. And so that started my history with him, which was uh, lifelong, and really, until he died. So um, there's a difference in the trauma that they create through programming and a trauma that they create in the home, say, or in rituals or occult. Uh, meetings or so forth. But uh, for me, it was like, and I think this might be true for most survivors, maybe there, it was a dual, a dual track. So the, the things that were happening in the uh, cult meetings were um, enabling the, the programming that they were doing on the government side. So they, 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 they uh, meshed together in a lot, in a lot of ways. And yet, in my case, the um, my, the handler that I had at a local level who was an occult person uh, was a, a little bit in competition I would say with the government faction that uh, was uh, giving me jobs to do and controlling that programming so um, I haven't sorted all of that out yet but I'm starting to get a pretty good feel for how that Uh, how those two things kind of paralleled and worked together. And at times were in uh, uh, contrast to each other. So um, they do the training is for several different reasons for screening, screening out the kids that can, uh, can do the work that have the esoteric giftings, if you will, to be able to do the the dissociation and the astral and all of that. Um, training for how many of them can endure the programming, survive the programming uh, and be able to handle that indoctrination into the, their, the, um, the, theologies, if you will, of, um, you know, that like the Nazi uh, can't think of the word you'd call that, but um, indoctrinations into those, those things. And, um, the, the soul trades are another part of the occult programming. And, you know, once we are split and there are lots and lots of pieces, it's like cash for them. They can actually sell us, sell our parts into uh, jobs and programs and off planet, on planet, under the planet, uh, you name it. Uh, And they are always making deals and they are always uh, looking for more um, people parts to, uh, to put into jobs and to uh, enslave really. So um, I did a little bit of uh, work on that with you uh, with shadow people, which was part of a podcast I did the last podcast I think I did and um, so my souls have been, I mean, we've been finding soul parts all over the creation, it seems like. And I don't I don't know when we'll find them all because I don't know how many there are left to find, but I think there are a lot. <laughs> so um, NASA was one of the areas that I was programmed in at a pretty early age. And um, I just uh, had some work on this and found out that... Um, Uh, There were a lot of memory exercises where you would have to memorize um, lots of numbers or phrases or words, and then you were tested on those, and if you didn't get it right, then you had to go back uh, through this kind of like a psychic driving, I think, and uh, memorize again, and it was over and over and over and over until you finally got it right, and then they would take me to a ritual to uh, seal all that in and build an amnesia wall so that I would uh, not remember at a conscious level what I had just memorized. And so uh, I had a part that kind of explained a lot of that to me, which was very, very helpful. So the computer was st- installed in that way, where uh, it was just a lot of memorization and um, um, compartmentalizing of all that information. And then, buried deep under amnesia walls. So um, also at the NASA facility, uh, we I went through a program of, they were trying to figure out how to uh, get us to breathe underwater. It sounds so bizarre, but um, we would actually take very, very, very small uh, breaths of water and then uh, then exhale that And it was not good. And I think children probably died during those experiments. And uh, I remember when my part came out and told about that, that they did, that was not a good thing at all. It was not pleasant and it was uh, uh, traumatic, really. The whole thing was traumatic. So uh, about that same time that they were doing those experiments, they were experimenting with us on astral travel so that they were sending us out to to spy out planets. At that time, they were trying to um, figure out if there was anybody established on Mars or um, the moon or some of the closer planets in. And so we were being trained to um, go spy out those planets so that they could establish uh, uh, bases there. And that was in the late 50s, the very early 60s.
0: So, that uh, is a mouthful <laughs> but you're not done yet are you
1: i'm not <laughs> i'm not so when i was 8 or 9 I was taken to colorado uh where mingala had um uh, a laboratory and um that's where he told me about my own conception uh, he did a lot of grooming on me, use me in the lab, train me up in some things in the lab, which I'm still not sure uh, what kinds of things he trained me for. I know that I was like an assistant, sort of, if you can think of a child as an assistant to a doctor. But um, um, he also, I was also being used there in the astral and I did a podcast on this. The last podcast, it was about Tibet and going to Tibet in the astral. And that was under... The direction of Mingala, so I would have been. Uh, I was fourteen when that memory happened, and so I was uh, working with him on some level uh, between the ages of eight and nine, and up to age fourteen. So I don't know if it was all that whole time, or if it was just on and off. By this time, I had been trained in the astral enough that I didn't have to be, uh, you know, in person, flesh and blood to do the work, uh, they would just call me in. Um, so along about that time, when I was 14, I was being taken to Omaha, Nebraska, to a, a SAC base. And uh, I still don't have the memories of that. I don't know what I was, what they were training me for there, but we live not, not that far from Omaha. And so I know I was taken there on a pretty regular basis, but I don't have the memories of it yet. So just this week we um we found out about some uh work that I encountered in Europe when I was in Europe in my uh I was 2021 20, when I was there and um, I actually was approached by a guy who was a, a what I would call a screener and then um then he uh hooked me up with a CIA person and um So I just got the first memory of that encounter. And so I'm still uh, working to process through all that new information on that. Um, I also know that I spent four years in the Air Force. So I had a lot of uh, uh, time. We only worked three and a half hours a day the whole time I was in the Air Force. And I don't have hardly any memories of my days uh, in the Air Force. (laughs) what I did, where I went, who I hung out with. Uh, and that's always, for me, when I don't have memories of my history, then that's number one clue. <laughs> that's probably doing things, you know, other parts were doing things in my place. So um, I'm pretty sure I was used pretty extensively there for, I don't know what, for what, but anyway. Um, once I got discharged from the Air Force, uh, I came back home, and I was 27 years old at that point, and my local handler, which had been handling me my whole life, but sending me to these government uh, locations for, for programming, um, he was mad because the CIA had uh, sort of taken charge, and uh, he was losing footing as far as controlling my my jobs and, uh, you know, the way I was being used. And so that ended up in quite a mess. And he uh, ended up um, killing, quote unquote, uh, a bunch of my parts, uh, trying to get control again. And uh, the CIA came in and ended up, um, rescuing the part that was left in charge by creating a new part (laughs) which turned out to be me (laughs) so that's another whole story I want to go into if we have time (laughs) if we have time Mm -hmm. so anyway that's kind of my history of uh, that dual track of being part of a local uh, coven handled by an occult high priest and at the same time being taken to bases and locations where I was coming under MKUltra mind control and so those two things were uh, were being done simultaneously uh, through all those through all those years. so uh, I don't uh, at least until I was 27 and because I have parts that are still, places off planet working on jobs, I know that, you know, just to whatever extent, I'm still being used. So um, there you have it.
0: But you are showing up and getting more Jesus all the time. So Jan, I assume you want to talk about some of the rescues that are going on with these parts that we have been able to get to.
1: You know, Dan, the work I've done with you, I have to say, has been fun and exciting. It's not always easy. <laughs> but I have to say it has been fun and exciting. And I'm like, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> it's just, it is just crazy. But it's because Jesus comes in and always is Doing things to make me laugh, whether it's you know wearing some crazy outfit or you know carrying some crazy tool or weapon, or <laughs> he's he's always doing something funny, and so it just really helps to get past the the funky stuff to have him on board, and he's always there.
0: You know, Jan, I, I love the way that you bring that out. You know, people believe it or not have on a few occasions, been offended by me. I, I, I can never figure out why, but one of the reasons that people have been offended by me is they say this, Daniel, you are way too happy to be talking about things such as mind control mm-hmm. and the new world order. You're supposed to be angry, upset, and miserable. And my problem is that I get to see Jesus do the coolest things, all the time and and you know interestingly enough he doesn't take them very seriously jan we get to see his opinion of the devil on a regular basis and that opinion is reflected very accurately in psalm chapter 2 where it says the lord sits in the heavens and laughs as he holds his enemies in derision Uh, and we get to see that side of jesus all the time and uh you know, I I, I, I I, just, anyway, I apologize if I have offended you with my joy listening on this, but what can I say?
1: Just get over. It. <laughs> <laughs> he is so much fun. I have to say, he's a lot of fun. And you spend a lot of time with him, I think, because you're fun too, so. <laughs> so here's some of the places that we've, found my parts so far. <laughs> the Pentagon, the Vatican, Tavistock Institute, the Capitol, DOMS, underground bases, um, Colorado, uh, in hy- hydro, uh, hybrid programs, off planet. I found them at Jupiter, Mars, the moon, Sirius. We found them under the earth, in the inner earth, and uh, we found a lot of Of uh, souls, not only mine, but other soul parts in Satan's realms of torture. And um, those are pretty amazing memories and work that we've done. So uh, Jesus made it clear uh, to me from the very beginning that there was no way out of this except to follow him. Because he's the only one that had the map. You know, he's the only one that knew how to how to get out of it, and so I've tried to just do that. And uh, our sessions uh, put that to a test every week <laughs> because <laughs> he doesn't always travel in a straight line. <laughs> he does a lot of zigzagging <laughs> and circling around, circling back, as uh, Biden's assistant might say, but um, he, yeah. Following him is the only way we get to the answer and we do get to the answer every time, but I don't ever, I don't, I don't have a confidence about that until the last three minutes of our session, (laughs) because the rest of the time, I'm not sure where we are usually. (laughs) So, but I'm getting used to it. So, um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was, um, Uh, this what I brought up a minute ago about my local handler and the CIA and the uh, the problems that caused so I came into a session with you uh, just recently really and I had a part show up that was uh, antagonistic and I don't I don't come across too many of those yet (laughs) but this one definitely was not in a good mood that day and I knew that right off because when you Offered him uh, living water and uh, bread of life, he spit the water on the ground. I, I, I never told you that, <laughs> but I saw it. <laughs> and in my and money, let me I just explain
0: it. this for those of you that are like not understanding that what's what's being said here. Uh, so, so Jan has a soul part on the inside of her that comes forward. And typically when I am engaging with soul parts, I will offer them bread of life to eat and living water to drink. Why would I do that? Well, because that bread of life has Jesus in it. And I'm just trying to get Jesus in the parts. So I'm gonna give them that bread of life and that living water. And and, and, and the truth is, because it's in the spirit realm, the bread of life will shapeshift into any kind of food, like favorite foods. So it could be cookies and milk, it could be pizza, tacos, burrito, you know, uh, I've seen it turn into all this different and, and it's always delicious, smells good. Sometimes the bread of life is so, so wonderful, but the parts are so stubborn. I'll just put it on a table right next to them, bolt the table to the floor, bolt the food to the table. and So you get to smell it until you would like to enjoy it. You don't have to eat it, just smell it. You know, because when you're hungry, and you smell really delicious food, it, it messes with your mind. And (laughs) remember trying to just get Jesus into these people. So, so I'm always given the bread of life and the living water. And so on this particular day, one of Jan's parts comes forward and decides to be stubborn and spit it out. And so uh, this is all happening inside of her person with her soul parts anyway please continue
1: you know i don't think you've ever had to do that with my parts yet (laughs) (laughs) usually usually when dan gives my parts the bread of life they eat it like they haven't eaten for 50 years i'm telling like they're starving just starving so when this guy spit it out i'm like uh oh i'm in trouble here and so as, as the, um, the hour wore on, <laughs> um, he was mad. He, he was really mad. And so Dan is, you know, in his way of gently pressing in to find out where all this anger is coming from. And it came out that he was mad at me, Jan, the outside person, because he said I was just a piece of paper and a drawing. <laughs> That's all I was. I wasn't even a real person so I'm like uh uh-oh this is not good because I really always considered myself a real person so anyway um after that session was over and and we dealt with this guy his name was Ranger um, I have a part named John who's a pretty significant part of my system and he's always helping a lot of times with different things and I had this um I had this uh, connection with John where I felt he there was shame because John was there when I was created and John felt shame about that so the next session we had I took that to Dan and I like we might need to figure out what this is all about so what it was about was um when I was 27 years old I had come out of the Air Force and I was um I uh, had this local handler which I didn't know about, of course, because, you know, that was all under amnesia. So he showed up at my door one day and uh, one of my parts came out to challenge him. And he ended up just giving us a medication and drugged us and took us off and put us through three days of torture. Ended up killing uh, all my parts and left John in charge of the body. And John had never been in charge of the body. So. At the time that this happened, I was dating a guy that uh, was from Texas. And I didn't know him that well, but, uh, but we were having this relationship. And after uh, my handler brought me back home, he said I was gonna be sick for uh, a few days and just to tell everybody I'd had the flu. Well, I was sick because I'd been through all this trauma and torture. And so I was sick. And this guy from Texas was right there to help me. And uh, so come to find out this guy from Texas, I believe, was a CIA officer. And I believe he was there to um, try to make sure that even though I was back home, that I was on my handler's turf that I still was connected to the CIA and the commitments and agreements I had made with them. So he made an agreement with the CIA officer, made an agreement with John to create a new part to take over so that John could get relief because John just could not handle the day-to-day of my life at that time. So uh, he created a, another JAN. So by the end of the session, we had actually four JANs. I counted them up. <laughs> four, four different JANs that were um, operating. And I've always been aware of two of them, but I wasn't aware of the other two. So that's all new new information for me. So during this session, I had a part come forth that uh, brought this information about the the programming that was done uh, at the NASA facility back East when I was six and a half years old. And so um, she filled in a lot of the information about uh, how that programming was done through the memorization uh, and the testing. Uh, She also talked about, they had this program with like Tinker Toys And so it ended up being like a quantum, I think some kind of a quantum um, configuration. And we had to memorize um, all the connections. So every time there was a hub, then you had maybe however many connections off of that. And then you had connections to those connections. So uh, it was quite an extensive um, um, test of memorizing. Um, She also told us about shots that we, that, that I was getting shots at that time, because they would put us in a semi-conscious state to do this work. And uh, we asked Jesus what, or Dan asked Jesus what uh, were in those shots. And he said, it was the neural exciters. And uh, I looked that up after the session, I went to look it up to see what that was all about. And MSG turns out to be a neural exciter. And I have a real sensitivity toward that. And have some real health challenges because of it, so I think that probably, um, you know, came. I think I probably ended up with sensitivities to it because I was exposed to it uh, so early on as a child. So that, you know, the at this point in my counseling, uh, we're filling in we're filling in the spaces. You know, it's like I have a, a general framework but there's lots of gaps still and lots of places that have to be filled in. And so it's my, my picture, my overall picture. is becoming more and more and more clear, which is, is uh, wonderful. You know, it's wonderful. The work is easier than it was five years ago than it was 10 years ago and uh, a lot more fun.
0: (laughs) Well, and and this is, you know, I I found what you just said to be particularly fascinating as we were exploring the the whole situation with your part patty because you know as someone that works with many survivors i've run into a lot of internal computers you know when people say they turned me into a computer for the average person that sounds like gibberish and nonsense you know you're a person i see a human in front of me you know beard right uh nose two ears clearly not a computer but the computer is on the inside and it can be accessed by handlers that have access codes, or keys, or back doors, and it can be used for whatever purposes that computer is designed for. So how do they get the computer inside of the person? That, that was always my question because, you know, I, I, I've done, you know, reading and, and heard computers reference people being turned into computers many times. And it's just like, but how do they do it? That was my prevailing question. And then with Patty's information and understanding, yeah, it actually involved for you back in the fifties wrote memorization. I mean, they, they were doing testing rituals, drugs, and, uh, you know, you you also mentioned the, you know, the slideshow they'd put on your head where it's just like pictures, you know, that were nonsensical just passing through you have to like watch this. And then they ask you questions and, uh, and, and, and yeah, more rituals. <laughs> and I, I realized, okay, yeah, these these computers are actually manually installed in people. Now that may be different thanks to the uh the the onset of quantum technologies and energetic technologies and the way that they're able to, you know, mind map people, access their brainwave frequencies and stuff. I don't know about necessarily. But I do wanna say this, Jen. You know, uh as you were you know, going through this, especially when you hit the Tinker Toys part, uh, you had something really interesting that you said, and I'm gonna repeat it and then let you comment on it. Uh, You said, you know, you were trained to think on multiple dimensions. That is not just three dimensions with those Tinker Toys. The shapes and the formations, the geometries were helping you as a child to break out of the three-dimensional thinking and go higher. And you said there, taking children as high as 11 dimensions. And I just want to let you talk a little bit about that because this has huge implications for where deprogramming work is going to go in the next 10 to 15 years.
1: Yeah, that I, I think that was actually Jesus that told that, dropped that in my spirit, that those, that they are operating on 11 dimensions now. And um, I know for me, uh, Patty, I forget, was she four or four, I think. Uh, so that would have been early, <laughs> early, early on for me. And um, she, that computer that was put in then, I dealt with, uh, Jesus helped me start deprogramming on that in 95. It was called a beast computer. And uh, he gave me um, codes, I mean, pages and pages, of codes and then gave me the eraser codes to remove those codes and it was extensive it was very extensive so I've been since 95 also wondering how was this put in how how did this get in there and I'm just now finding that out since 95 so that's how long it takes on some of this stuff to get to get stuff cleared out enough that you can get the information. That you can get a hold of the information because it's so protected. They, um, you know, through the amnesia walls and the trauma, uh, they bury this stuff so deep, and they protect it so well because they, you know, pretty much all of the parts I had were demonized. They had had demons attached to them, and the demons live inside these, uh, you know, inside the systems and inside the the. The cities that are inside and so uh it's it's a challenge to get to any of this information so uh as far as the 11 dimensions i i just uh repeated what i was hearing on that so i but i i don't i don't doubt that at all because uh because of what they're doing you know because of what they're doing mm-hmm. with people in the uh, spiritual realm in the secret space program, you hear a lot about, you know, what they're doing and it's amazing, just amazing. And they have to start these kids early to get, you know, of course, they're doing a lot of it. I think now through technology, whereas mine was all hands-on, you know, uh, in the body more, but um, uh, amazing really. So why
0: don't you tell us a little bit more about these programming pods?
1: Okay, so um, I watched a a video, and um, it was a survivor, and there was something in in her video, something that she talked about and explained, that um, caused me to have dreams, and uh, really triggered me, and so um, I kept seeing these, these pods that, to me, look like if you took an egg carton and you turned it upside down so the round part was showing and then you pinched the center out of those so you had holes in them and uh they were stacked like that so there was um, six or seven or eight in a row and then a second row under that and um in the dream I knew that as a child I was being put inside of these things and so uh I brought that to you in our counseling session. And uh, as we started working through it, uh, I found out that it was a programming center. It was in Colorado. Uh, It happened when I was four years old. We lived in Western Kansas at that time. So it wouldn't have been that far to go to take me to Colorado. Um, What would happen was these, uh, these were big. They were, you know, car size, maybe. I mean, the whole, like, seven of them. And so what would happen is they would put you inside of this pod and then it was equipped with holographic imagery and frequencies. And so basically, uh, you would be traumatized in some way. And they had a lot of different variety, I think. But these... Um, pods ended up becoming like torture chambers and they were producing uh, punishment grids. So uh, they became, uh, on the inside, they became internal prisons. And so um, we would be, uh, go through this programming process the trauma would be internalized into a location in our systems. And then when we needed to be punished or whatever, they could trigger that through words and codes, and we would be put right back into the same trauma that we had experienced inside of the pod. So um, this was, I believe, probably the earliest formal uh, programming that I had, even though this would have been about the same time as I was getting this computer installed. So I'm not sure how that all fit together yet. But um, anyway, as we went through this work, it reminded me of uh, some work that we did on um, a po- I did a podcast and it was called Field of Dreams. And this was a punishment grid where uh, if you do something against the family then they put you on this uh, holographic, um, like a field, like a football field or something. And you have armies, two armies facing each other. And uh, you are on one side, but all of your soldiers are are inefficient or uh, they just don't work. And so you, you end up facing a whole array, uh, army of uh people and you end up dying you just end up dying because you know you can't survive and it's a punishment grid and so this uh, this was really interesting when this came forth in our this last um, session that we did that this is how they were starting to do that back when I was four years old and now they're doing it through more through technologies but um, anyway that was um, they also a second part of that was that uh, while we were in these pods, uh, and I think, I think this information came from me as an older, either child or adult, so, so I, because I was working in these labs, because I was working on technologies, I have information as an older person about the things I experienced as a younger Person, So that gets kind of confusing at times, but it's starting to kind of sift, sift down. But um, these, the children that were being put into these pods are also being viewed by other family members. And I saw it as like an, in a TV station where you have all these monitors and uh, they actually have passcodes where they can get in. And they, you know, the, the, the family, you know, the really, the bloodliners that are into the occult, that are born into it and live their whole lives in that, are, uh, they have an insatiable thirst for evil and for torture mm-hmm. and for pain and for death. And so these chambers that these kids are put into are actually filmed. that the torture they go through is filmed because there's a, there is a, a power that one receives watching something that's happening live versus something that's been filmed or even uh, orchestrated. So um, there's, I, I, I believe there's probably a whole, um, uh, business if you will that has cropped up around that kind of uh, use of this technology that they're doing so um, this uh, memory that I had being put in in the pods also tied back in with um, in-time programming because they were talking about um, um, how and once this program is installed inside and parts are sent into to receive this trauma and this torture, sometimes the parts just don't survive. So what we were told is it's like a, like a, a coral reef in a coral reef. You have these little creatures that build these little homes and when they die, they leave their home behind and that's okay. Cause it's a beautiful thing. And, uh you know, they, they, they have these stories to go along to support all their theology. And so this was one of those things where they were trying to make right what was wrong, basically. And um, so anyway, um, they have a like an underlying theme in their end time teaching that we're doing this torture for you because we want you to be strong. And the end is coming and not everybody's gonna survive. And the ones that are gonna survive are the ones that have endured the most. So this pain that we're causing you, this torture that we're doing to you, these horrendous things that you have to experience are for your own good. And this is a theme they use over and over and over and over again. And it's so evil. It's so
0: evil. Wow. So, you know, um, this reminds me of a theme that came out, and I'm trying to remember the name of the the film, but it was actually about a guy who was a survivor who who was a, It was called Split. Mm-hmm. And uh, as the movie progressed, you know, there was this idea that, comes because he abducts these girls and, you know, some, some of them, he actually winds up killing in the movie. And, and um, I remember when it first came out, it was, it was uh, I, I felt it was almost a bit of propaganda to make people afraid of survivors or being one you know like oh remember to forget like you don't want to be this guy you know so that whole reinforcement agenda but you know I I was watching this uh, from the perspective of a practitioner like you know first of all how are they depicting him how does he end up like this why does he do what he does and and part of the themeology that comes out in that film is you know there are people that are being prepared to be the strong ones that are going to survive. And that's why they have to go through pain and torture. Like he, the girl that he doesn't end up killing is a survivor herself from an incest-based uncle's family situation. And that comes out in the film as well. It's like, yeah, she's been abused all her life. And he basically discerns her to be Someone special, one of the strong ones that you know, like him, and so there's the theme right there. You know, they, of course, they tell you their their philosophies, and uh, I, I just
1: you know I wanted to point that out. Yeah, typical.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Very. Um, one thing I made a note of is that uh, these guys, they are addicted to violence it's almost like pornography. It's, it's because, um, it's never enough. So it's a progressive, you know, you start out with a little bit, it has to be more and more and more and more. And, uh, I think our, our country, maybe even our government is full of people that have been caught up in this stuff. And, uh, you know, it is like the pornography. I think it is for sale and it's out there and, uh, and people do get addicted to it. So, this um sad wow so i wanted to talk about um we when we finished this session i saw some parts that i had that were in um what looked like a prison a huge prison facility i could see it from the air i could see the roof of it and it was just massive and it had barbed wire around and around and around. I mean, all around it. And I could see my parts inside of it. But I wasn't, I couldn't communicate with them. But we ran out of time. So we decided, well, we'll just, you know, tackle that next time. So uh, when we had our next session, um, uh, before we had the next session, I had just a like a 20-second uh, experience of feeling what those parts were feeling about me. <laughs> so I'm on the outside of the work fence. They're on the inside in a laboratory. And uh, it came to me that they they saw me as an avatar, which I thought was really interesting <laughs> that they would see me that way. Uh, I I don't really know, have much to say about that, and I just thought it was interesting. I threw it in. So, um, so, we came into the session, and uh, I told you I could see the, the facility and the barbed wire all around, and it had, a, uh, it had an Ouroboros, uh, snake with its head, uh, it's eating its tail, the Ouroboros. I saw that in a great big image all the way around the base of this uh, facility. And so you um, prayed for that. And uh, Jesus said he was going to chop its head off. And he did. <laughs> he chopped its head off. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I, I came into, uh, at, at the same time that this borus got taken out, those parts that were in the top of this prison or whatever it was actually turned out to be a lamb, I guess, but they got taken up to heaven. So by the time we got through the, the barbed wire and ended up in the first floor of this place, um, they were already taken up to heaven. The Ouroboros was gone along with a whole bunch of entities that were in like a moat around this thing. I mean, it was, it was armored up with all kinds of things. <laughs> and so uh, I found myself just standing in the middle of this great big huge room that, was, that had been vacated, but it had all these um, computer cabinets in it. Mm. And there were seven of them in total. And so after some uh, conferring with Jesus, we found out, well, they were portals underneath these computer cabinets. And so um, you prayed and all the computer cabinets were taken out and taken up to heaven for to be analyzed or whatever.
0: And let me just repeat this for anyone that got lost here. Jan is talking about a building that exists inside of her system. Meaning it's not physical outside of her front door. This building is in, you could say inside of her mind, but really it's inside of her subconscious. It's inner system. It's where her parts are and we are navigating this place. So Just wanted to say that. Please continue.
1: And I I will have to add to that, that from my perspective, it seemed like it was on another location, like another planet or somewhere outside of my system. Even though I know it was in my system, it feels like it's somewhere else. It doesn't feel like it's inside. It feels like it's outside. So I just throw that in because that's... sometimes Sometimes I actually... Connect and know that it's inside, and, but sometimes it feels like it's outside. So it's hard to—it's really hard to uh, discern sometimes where the place is. But anyway, well, and so you know,
0: <laughs> I have to say this, Jan, not to <laughs> not to interrupt, but you know, it because I, I always come back when I hear folks say because now now I'm remembering, and, and you know, honestly, it could be both, right? <laughs> it, it, it's on another planet sometimes it's superimposed almost like a refraction into the system. It it, it gets really wonky when you get into the the astral and the dimensional stuff. But anyway, folks, just follow the story.
1: I'll just add to that one too. (laughs) (laughs) In this case, it did end up being both because those portals led to places outside, I think. So there was, you know, and that happens a lot of times, too. You can have a place in the system, but it has a portal that goes somewhere else. So you end up on Mars, you know, going through a place in your system. So anyway, that's not uncommon at all, at least in the work I've been doing. <laughs> so anyway, so we went down, uh, we went down into the uh, number three portal and uh, we got below and I saw Um, there were aliens a whole bunch of aliens down there this was a laboratory and so uh, you prayed and it was no big deal at all those aliens were gone in a second and there was no fight or nothing nothing it was just they just went peacefully went so I found out that uh, this was a place that was creating hybrid children and um So my parts were working there, and of course my goal is to find out what are my parts doing there? Why, you know, why do I have parts in this place? And so I found out that the part, the job of my parts was to go out and to find uh, images of children that they would use to design these children that they were creating, the hybrid children. And so these hybrid children were being trained up to be used in the astral to go into uh, different localities in the earth and to measure the level of darkness in those areas. And I've come across this before. I can't remember how long ago it was, but um, this wasn't a new. It was a new uh, idea for me, but. Um, Uh, It was just interesting. So these children, uh, it came to me that these children are sent into these areas and they take on physical form when they get there, but they're not, they're just children. So nobody pays any attention to them. So they just go about their business, do their jobs, and then they come back in the astral to this facility. And so uh, it was told to me that their lifespans are very short uh, because they are hybrids and they don't. You know, they just don't last that long. Um, So uh, it also came to me that they don't really do training on the children. They're just, they just come under computer downloads. So they're all, they're just programmed through, you know, direct downloads on the computer. Uh, You ask if uh, the DNA, if the DNA needed to be removed. And it came to me that these, children were formed out of pools of DNA, that it wasn't a one-on-one. In other words, they didn't have the DNA of a person sitting somewhere to make each child. They were pooled, It was all pooled together. And then they drew out of that to create this whole range of children. So um, uh, you ask if there was anything else that needed to be addressed. And, and Jesus indicated that there were uh, parts deeper down in, the, in, the, in this facility. So um, we ended up going down to another, another floor. And um, when we got down there, there were a whole bunch of doors that were shut, but I was aware that there were entities, a lot of entities behind these doors. And so um, I think you uh, directed angels to stand guard at each door. And so we started uh, opening these doors to see what entities were inside. So it turned out that um, the uh, Jesus said, you asked Jesus if you could uh, interview or question (laughs) some of these entities. And he said, well, yeah, he'd pull out one of each, one from each door that you could interview. And I'm just like, oh no. Every time Dan wants to interview some entity or alien or being of some sort, I'm the one that has to interpret it. <laughs> and so I was I was just, oh, my goodness, I can't believe we're doing this. So I said, I told Dan, I said, they don't speak English. It didn't bother him one bit. He said, that's that's okay. I have a translator. <laughs> we'll just put it on their mouth on their ma- <laughs> mouths and so as soon as he said that i saw these guys all being fitted out with like what looked like to be gas mask <laughs> so now, now they had the translators on so it turned out that the first one was um, uh an, an alien an alien from a uranus plagio plagius and um so Dan asked him what his business was on Earth, and he said that he that he was uh that he'd been there mining, that he came to Earth to mine zinc, and uh, they got captured. And so uh, Dan asked him what his relationship was to Satan, and he said he didn't have a relationship to Satan, that um, he was a prisoner of Satan basically. And so uh, they had been they had been here to do this mining, and they got stranded thousands. I couldn't figure out if it's thousands or millions, but it was a a long, long time ago. And so um, so they've been in this prison ever since inside my system somehow. (laughs) And so um, uh, anyway, Dan asked if uh, Dan asked King Jesus, did this uh, visitor have a redemption plan before Yahweh? and uh jesus said they're one of millions of races that inhabit the cosmos and they're a mixture of white and dark beings uh and they're from a millennia millennia past and they have no direct affiliation uh to either side now so they were basically neutral beings and so um he said they were hybrids in a sense. And um, he said that they're, they're, where they came from has moved on to a more redemptive lifestyle. So uh, basically, they, he was released to the angels. The angels took him back to his home, wherever that was. So um, the next one was uh, some character called who Bar. And um, his business on earth was they were uh, actually from the future and they were came back to earth from into the past and then they got uh, caught and they got imprisoned. And so they've been, they're actually time travelers. And so they had been here for again who knows how many years a lot of years and so do you remember, do you remember what you said no, <laughs> no. well I, I happen to have it here uh, he said uh, you said I just marvel at the hilarious nature of being rescued from your imprisonment as a future citizen by me in the spirit, out of your system, Jan. This is just, this is just ridiculous. I'm certain he should have just stayed home and had pancakes.
0: That sounds like something I would say. That really does. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I am sure. I am certain that that was my response. <laughs> pancakes. Come on now, you know pancakes never go out of style. I don't care how far in the future pancakes, man. Especially gluten-free.
1: That guy, after being in prison for thousands of years, was probably ready for a pancake, probably. But um, at the end of that little uh, session, we ask uh, you ask about uh, redemption, and shouldn't we be giving them tracks or something? Or you know, instead of just sending them home, and would they even be? uh, Would Jesus? Would they even be qualified for redemption, you know, through Jesus? And so it came out that um, that that um, the Lord said that that they that human beings are redeemed through Jesus, you know, He's our redemption. But other races uh, throughout the cosmos have other He called them overlords, um, other priest overlords that they uh actually go through on their way back to Yahweh so uh, I thought that was really interesting and, and uh, a, a whole new concept and uh, redemption and what that means but uh I thought it was pretty clear from what, uh, the way he put it was that that we are special the human race is special in that we have Jesus and a direct route to the father through Jesus Christ and that we're the only race that has that provision and uh so that was that was uh, that was kind of neat really I kind of like that and uh this guy said that that was one of the reasons why they they like a lot of the races in the cosmos try to come to earth is because they know there's something different about uh humans they don't know what it is but they when they become technically advanced enough to be able to do t- the time travel and so forth. They do like to come here to uh, to try to understand what it is about Earth that's special. And uh, of course, we know it's special because we're special because we're part of God's plan. So um, you know, I think I I think I got done, Dan. You, 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 you
0: kind of did. I I think that there might be a few parts you skipped over, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm just giving you a hard time. You know, folks, what Jan just said is a massive bomb drop. It's a massive bomb drop. And, you know, we talked briefly before the podcast. She's like, I just don't know if I should go there. And I'm just like, Jan, I don't care if you go there. Because it happened, you know, really, we had this conversation with these entities, they were taken away, Uh, they were taken back to the future, they were taken back to the original planet, they were, um, the angels were involved, Jesus was there, you know, and and there was information that came forth. And uh, one of the questions that I get often is, okay, Daniel, well, if there are these alien beings, then where do they come from? And where is their redemption? if they're not fallen angels per se, but there's something else, then how do they get saved? Should we give them gospel tracts? And I'm thinking the same thing, right? I, I don't, I don't know. Like there, there are certain uh, areas of the conversation that are just very, very blurry. And you go into the Bible, you go into the word of God and you learn this, that mankind is the crown of creation. Jesus Christ is our high priest. Man There are mysteries in man that angels desire to look into. We learn all of these things, but we don't necessarily understand uh, from the Bible what dealings Yahweh God has with Rigel or one of these other areas. Like That's just not clearly spelled out. And so it seems like the veil on some of these mysteries is getting thinner, at least in the work that involve survivors because for whatever reason their systems like jan's system is plugged into these realities and freedom in christ means addressing these issues and suddenly you know the mysteries of creation begin to unravel and you end up with more data points that leave you with more questions than answers and that's exactly how we're going to leave you at the end of this podcast more questions than answers jan would you like to say anything
1: else Dan, I think you've said it all. Thank you so much. (laughs) Again, I just appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity to share, and I hope people can figure out what I've said, because I have skipped around a little bit. So anyway, but it was good. It was wonderful. It's always good to work with you, and I always love to be able to share my testimony and hope that other people will be able to glean some little piece of information that might help them along on their journeys, because... We're all on this journey together. So thank you, Jesus.
0: Thank you, Jan. Folks, until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at BrideMinistriesInternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.